ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome to episode number eight of Digital Fix. I am your host, Matt Barber, coming to you live from the glorious studios of Local 209 here in Crown Point, Indiana. On today's episode, I brought on our fearless leader, Alan Miskowski. Alan and I have been tackling social media on our platforms for what feels like forever now. And I wanted to sit down with him and have an actual conversation about everything that we find frustrating. Uh, everything from algorithm changes to the grind of social media and just really lay out there uh, how difficult but how enjoyable this whole process can be. I think you guys can get a lot out of this episode. We pretty much gave away every ounce of secret sauce that we have as a company. So I hope you listen and take notes. I more importantly hope you really just enjoy this. And if you do enjoy our stuff, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. So that co- that conversation with Alan Muskowski starts right now. So I guess the best way to start any episode of Digital Fix is to give the people your background. First, let's actually, I'm going to go back. I'm going to say, I'm going to frame this episode. This episode is fully intended on being an expose on social media and our experience with social media and everything that you found enlightening and frustrating and exciting and difficult. So before we get into all of that, uh, give I guess give the people your your experience with social media. When did when did you launch a Facebook and when when did you start taking it a lot more seriously? So I am 36 years old. I graduated high school in the year 2000. Um, social media was not prevalent when I grew up. Even one. MySpace. No, not really. No. So we had AOL Instant Messenger and ICQ. That was how we like did things, right? Yeah. Um, MySpace was like the first of its kind. Uh, but even before that, I would say that my first like real love with media came with like you can build your own websites like Angel Fire. Yeah. If you remember that. Any of that oh, I built a few Angel Fires in my life. <laughs> I'm talking like blue backgrounds with red text. Yep. How else would you be able to like, I don't know, put yourself in order of how many albums you have digitally? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that was uh, my first beginning start of it. Um, MySpace was something that used on a total personal level, never really as a business side. Um, I would say the personal side of things really kind of went until about two years ago. Um, and so with that is when I kind of started getting more aggressive into understanding how social media works and seeing the power it has. So you started just so the people are aware, because I think we've, we've done a, a good job of kind of splitting our roles between you and I and kind of what we do and what we handle. We both handle social media for the company. Mm-hmm. We both do it. I primarily lead the charge on our clients and our client stuff, but when it comes to local to a nine stuff, we split it pretty evenly. And depending on the week, sometimes that balance shifts more in your favor and sometimes the balance shifts more in my sure, favor sure. of who does what. So we really get to see everything that's good and bad with the algorithms right now. So I guess when did, you started the accounts, but what was your expectations when you started the accounts? Were you expecting it to be such a grind? Did you know coming in that everything was going to be uh, this difficult, I guess? Or not difficult, um, in depth? Uh, great question. No. No? <laughs> no, no. Uh, you get going and you start to kind of like see how things are happening. And I guess you're, you're kind of fueled by the motivation of making a difference. Sure. So it makes that grind much more tolerable. I think the biggest learning uh, curves for what we've been doing is how fast content is gone. Right. Is that how you how much proactive you have to be for a, in a calendar to really build a real strong content plan? Um, and I think in the beginning it was more like, well, those pictures are cool. Let's throw them up there. And I think there's an aspect to that still. 
Um, but a lot of it's really, you, you, you like are always surprised at how fast four weeks go sure. and how much that content's already off the table. And we do, we pride ourselves on not really recycling much. Right. Yeah. I don't think we've used the same photo too many times. We'll re-release videos, but only when it's relevant to do so. Yeah. Like, I think the only time I can honestly say we've recycled videos has been um, our last break from the podcast season. And we released all like the highlights from the season before. That's really the only time I can remember that we've recycled content. Exactly. Even if we reshare, I mean, we do. We've been doing the Friday recaps and I think people are enjoying those. And so those tend to be like a premiere of the videos. It's the first time those videos are seeing the light of day and then we'll reshare them the next week, but in their own spotlight. And I think that's the only time recently we reshared content, but not really because instead of a 15 minute long video exposing all of our content, uh, or at least everything we've done in the last week or so, is more of its own kind of, a, it's, it's its own special moment oh, in yeah. the timeline. I say this all the time, and I, I, I'm not being sarcastic in any strange like stretch of the imagination, but I wish I would have started this like a year before, because I think a lot of the frustration I have is that we kind of jumped on at the back end of that Trump administration yeah, of his election and all the Russian stuff. And it, and it made it forced social media to really kind of put the restraints down, mm-hmm. which never happened before. Correct. So you could just market the shit out of things and run with it. Um, and since we've started, there's been the algorithms changes are more aggressive than ever. It's forcing everyone to like really have to rethink what they're doing, what was the, the strategies on almost a day to day basis. Right. And when we're talking about strategies, we're essentially talking about getting eyes on our stuff. Correct. Right. Or, so, or our clients. Or our clients. And so all of that stuff is like super important um, in what makes us, uh, I would say, relevant. But at the end of the day, uh, it's still been that's been the most frustrating part. Sure. I remember, so to give give my background a little bit, in 2013 is when I started looking at, at Facebook for more like business side. In 2013, if you had a business and you had 10,000 page followers, every single post you released, whether it was text only, a picture, or a video, would reach all 10,000 people. It was mm-hmm. pretty much guaranteed. If you hit 9,900, you were kind of like, oh, people must not have liked this. And now a page following 10,000 doesn't guarantee you anything more than maybe two, 300, two, 300 people, yep. like actual actual reach. Uh, impressions might be four to 500. Um, so I think it's more relevant than ever. I hate saying the phrase content is king. I think it's the most annoying, overused phrase in the entire social media uh, world, but it's now becoming more and more relevant I think people are realizing that you really need something that's going to stand out and sure. each piece needs to stand out. Without going crazy and highly philosophical stuff about content, because that's where my mind wants to take it, but um, I think it's always been very much a major portion of the the world of marketing. Sure. And so I don't know if it's getting more relevant or it's just always been there. We're just more, we're being more like aware of it. I think it's a lot of businesses like us are starting to appear where we're reaching out to uh, the small mom and pop stores that have never really had a social presence. <clears throat> and I mean, we we handle everything from, from mom and pops up through, through corporations, but people that have never had a social presence are now starting to have one. So it's starting to clog those filters even more. Mm-hmm. And so you're being forced to like more and more and more pages. And all of those pages are now pushing content where that's three or four times per week. Or for us, it's, you know, five to six times per week we're pushing content. And so you don't really, that that content, it, it has to be king, but it still has to be relevant. 
Well, I think that's where the frustration comes, right? Because sure. I, I would, as a competitor, when you start talking in those terms, I think of 400 different pages that are happening right now, and we're putting out our stuff in the mix of that pool. Right. And I, I'm confident in the quality that we're producing. Exactly. But, however, that's not always, that's not like the playing field we're playing on, though. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Correct. So, like, we've got – it's not about the quality of the content. It's about the engagement the content gets. And so that's a, that's a different argument altogether, correct? Right. So, um, essentially, when we're doing these things, shares mean nothing anymore, likes mean nothing anymore, and it seems to be the only thing that continually kind of boosts your post to getting more eyes on it are comments and, and, and literal conversation going on in it. Um, and so that's what's kind of made it more difficult is that – I think there's a lot of people seeing our stuff in particular, um, but that doesn't mean they're engaging with it. Correct. And so that's also hurting us. Right. And it's so we see that and that hurts us <laughs> even on an emotional level. Like when you put in like a crap ton of time into a video. Sure. And you're like, man, our people are going to love this. This is going to be fire. This is yep. it's, it's not just going to blow up. But this is going to speak to the right people at the right yep. time. And hopefully this changes some some small <clears throat> part of a the world. There's always that kind of a fanaticism about it and that kind of arrogance about it. But then you see uh, a competitor or someone out there post a picture of a Shutterstock ice cream cone that has the Shutterstock watermark on it and says, it's summertime. Which uh, which flavor of ice cream is your favorite? And you get all these people responding to it. And you're like, come on. You didn't even think. You yeah, didn't even try. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're trying to cheat the algorithm. <laughs> well, and we've been in a benefit of that, right? I sure. Mean, I, being like just kind of bringing it back to us a little bit is that like we've put ourselves in these positions where we overproduce content. Sure. We're really proud of it. And then crickets when we release it. And then there's been times with Joel Henderson where I think it was the blizzard of 2017 yeah, or 18. Yeah, I remember that. And it was, uh, that, that video was 22 seconds. We put no thought into the pre-production of it at all. And I think it got like 26,000 views. And so it's like there's really no rhyme or reason. And that'd be one piece of advice I would give any content maker is don't overthink it. Right. Because you can't you can just get caught up in it. But but you got to still don't get me wrong, like lock down a level of quality you're happy with as an artist. Right. You're trying to stay authentic when it comes to like I consider myself one because I love photography. I love video. Um, but that's what also makes it complicated is that relationship. At one point, you've got to treat it like it's a like you're in school. A paper's due. Even if you only have one page out of five, turn it in. Right. Turn it in. Don't dick around. Yeah. You still you know? have to try. Yeah. Just turn it in, get it out, get in, work on the next thing because it just wasn't your time for that one. And what's amazing is we'll release that piece of content, that video. Let's go. Let's talk about the Blizzard, the Blizzard video, because it was it was a cool video. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was very simple. It mm -hmm. was Joel standing on a corner outside Cafe Fresco. Which Shout out. For soundtrack the, to Hysteria. Soundtrack to Hysteria. There was a... Uh, uh, I think this is the eighth time I've shouted out Cafe Fresco on the podcast. And I, he wasn't in front of Cafe Fresco, so that was just a total. You're just doing. Yes, he it was. Now. No, he wasn't. He was We're in front of fight. Twelve Islands. Was he really? Yeah. JBD I'm shouting out Cafe Fresco anyway. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so he was apparently standing on a Twelve Islands Cafe Fresco, and uh, the drone just zooms out, and it shows like one lonely pickup driving in the streets while everyone else is like cowering on the inside, and that thing exploded it became our second most watched video behind uh mc seizures creation of our sign uh so at the time are you saying at the time at the time it, i think it even beat that it beat it yeah it sure goes to show how much i pay attention to our own content <laughs> uh kidding uh anyway so it it blew up on facebook <clears throat> and everyone's commenting saying this is my hometown there's a lot of a uh, hometown pride it did well for us and that was awesome uh but we also released it on instagram 
and it didn't. Yep. <laughs> it kind of went with the flow of every other post you had done at that time, which that was that was November. Was that December? Yeah, January? somewhere in there. It was somewhere in there, so it was right around the beginning of our launch. I think it was pre-beer contest, best uh, brewery in the region. It's tough to – I don't know. I don't remember. I'm not uh, going to pull yeah. out my phone it's right hard now. To, yeah, it's hard. But either way, regardless, it didn't do any better than any of the posts on either side of it. No. And so we got a, a harsh homecoming to the new Instagram algorithm uh, that was now based on relevant, relevant content – but your video is only going to get shown equally as much as everyone else's, regardless of anything else. Well, I'm glad you're bringing up bullshit because that I really appreciate. Because we were yeah. talking about the bullshit of social media. That's one of them. This this is fully meant to be a uh, let's expose all of the bullshit and give people a very real understanding of what yeah, we deal with. I'm ready to rail. All and right. If that's the case. The like I don't understand how the algorithms can be set up at this point to where when you do have a successful video, whether or not you wanted it to be or not, whether you put a lot of time in pre-production, it makes no sense that the success of that video hurts you for the next two weeks. Sure. That is such bullshit. We see it every time we release a video and then the next one we release is like getting hammered by the algorithm because it, we, we have the success in the, how we took ourselves out of the average reach that we normally get. So Alan is speaking about what's what's considered on Facebook is nonlinear engagement. Nonlinear engagement, I'm going to give a five second expose for the people that care and the people that don't can just fast forward about 10 seconds. So if you release a post and you on average get 500 reach every single post and then you release one and you get 700 reach, your next post will now get 300 reach because Facebook says this is your average and you must maintain your average mm -hmm. and you can slowly grow your average, but you can't massively grow your average uh, or you're going to get punished. So if our posts on average reach 2000 people, then we release uh, the the video of the the courthouse, uh, the uh, our tour of the courthouse across the street and it, or the Stanley Cup and it reaches, let's say, 30,000 people or the beer contest. The beer contest was actually great. Free beer for a year with Crown Brewing. It's been our biggest thing we've Biggest done. video ever. Uh, impressions on that were over a quarter million. Mm -hmm. It was massive. And for the next week, we just sat there and uh, released basically what we consider as meat shield posts. Once it just absorbed the fact that the algorithm was going to bend us over the table, no matter yep. what we did. And so that is what Alan is referring to. You may continue to rail because it's something that I, I think it frustrates <clears throat> every content manager because it you when you're setting up storylines for a brand and you know that you're getting ready to drop a great piece, you have to plan for the algorithm. Assuming people love that piece, you have to plan for the algorithm to punish you yep. for the next like week to two weeks, depending on how great that did, just to get back to your average or slightly above your average. Yeah, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but even from like a, if people are listening who are content managers, that doesn't mean that you like stop caring about the next two weeks post. You care no, about you it just have as to. much because you, still you just have to don't try. know, right? Um, and that's what makes it super frustrating is that it's not like while we do have like the weather stuff, which has been a great uh, meat shield for us. Correct. Um, and Wince is great. Um, but that that whole thing has like created this vacuum that now we don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Sure. 50 percent of the time. Right. We know we know like there, there's a decent recipe in content. Um, that you know that as soon as you put it out, it's going to hit and you know it's going to be shared and it's going to be engaged. Um, a giveaway is one of those almost every time, right? Right. Um, you know that if you show some form of nationalism inside of one of the cities and you make it something that people may or may not have seen. And we have even seen it to where it's just going to be informational. I mean, uh, that Nicola kid's running around. Um, and he's doing like city of crown point updates, you know, yeah. and those are getting a lot of volume, you know, and then Nick Sitch, uh, the, uh, the guy with turtle time TV did that one in the theater and that gets a lot of volume. 
Um, in, in, a, in a sense, that would actually hurt if we were to do that. It would actually hurt us to be daily in the news cycle because the stuff that we really care about is be the stuff that's getting hammered. Right. So it's a weird, does that make sense? Yeah. It's a weird formula. It's, you definitely have to pick pick your, choose your timing very carefully as a content manager. And timing is everything, right? Timing really is everything. So today, as we release stuff for brands, we know specifically one of our clients has a big announcement that they need to make. It's already um, out as of this podcast it's out different client but that oh, one okay. ha- that one is going to go phenomenal uh yeah. I, I can already hear the reach racking up on that but we have a different <laughs> one who needs to make a very large announcement uh our one of our content creators is working on the graphics right now for it and uh we i've decided not to release that today uh just because i know just scrolling through facebook what's in the news feed right now and it's a mix of uh bears uh, he because yep. Mitch Trubisky six TDs yesterday mm-hmm. won the game blew them out so everyone's talking about it Cubs because tonight is the Cubs playoff game yep uh, and against the Brewers and uh, Alan can can we get you to say those two words six letters that everyone wants to hear uh, go Cubs no no um, but in the Walmart shooting right <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. the Walmart I'm and the not shooting saying anything about the Cubs and and the shooting about Walmart go check out uh, Amber's daughter has uh, disagreed with her dad <laughs> and is currently dressed in a wonderful selection of spring Cubs gear anyway so there's there's all of that in the newsfeed right now so anything that you post right now Facebook is saying we want interpersonal interactions to be really relevant so if your uncle releases something about the Cubs even though he's never watched a game his entire life um, and your aunt releases something about the shooting and then you as a business release something about XYZ product launch that you have your post is going to get drowned it is going to get swamped it's going to have a lot lower reach unless it is really really engaging it has to be really really cool and even then it's not going to get as large reach because the feed is clogged with all these interpersonal communications and people dropping their opinions on gun control in in the Walmart shooting debate and uh, whatever's going on with the Supreme Court justice and all of that so yeah yeah, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> All of that needs to go in. So if you if you are listening right now and you are thinking, my God, I'm never posting on social media again, there is hope. There yeah. is hope. All of this stuff is is at, at the, the very micro level yep. of social media. At the macro level, I think as long as you're posting, you're having fun, you're being yourself, people are going to naturally take sure. your content. And, and that's something we definitely strive towards is authenticity in everything we do. Um, and sometimes we are right on it and sometimes we're not. A lot of our videos, we try to take the same approach and like make them kind of more of a documentary of the experience more than it's just like a piece of, you know, sugar and candy. Um, but it's hard because you just got to stay relevant inside the, the frame. And um, the other bullshit thing about we'll go into the IG stuff is the different avenues and obstacles you have with the bigger your growth gets. Sure. So the more following you have, the more you get hammered in the algorithms because at that point you're starting to put yourself into a structure that you need to be boosting a lot more. Correct. Are we talking, so that's that's for Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I think that's that's very true. So Facebook, when we were talking earlier about nonlinear engagement, the only way to really cycle yourself out of nonlinear engagement is to get get yourself on a solid boosting budget. And B, be prepared that if you have a, if you launch something like a contest that you know is gonna get ridiculous reach and impression, and then you have a really cool piece of news afterwards, be prepared to drop 50 bucks. <laughs> be prepared that if you want that to get seen, it's gonna cost some cash because you're gonna be in that, uh, that, that aftershock period where Facebook's gonna punish you. And this is the same thing for Instagram, that if you have something that's really, really blowing up, 
be prepared. Your next few posts are just not going to get as many likes no. as many reach. And, and it's, uh, you know, like we had more, I felt like our engagement with our viewers and audience and community that we've created um, was way easier to get when it was like we had 2,000 followers. Sure. And now that we're at 5,000, it's like you've got to try three times as hard. Yeah. It's strange. So for Facebook, it's funny because of, we'll, we'll talk Facebook and then we'll jump over to Instagram for that. And, and I'll, I'll even bring in Twitter because Twitter, Twitter is a weird animal that's a lot of fun to play with and can be your most powerful weapon if you know how to use it. But a lot of times everyone forgets about it um, just because it, you have Guilty. to. You have to. I keep our Twitter going. Uh, <laughs> I love Twitter, but it's very, it's made very specifically for niche communities. And so you can jump between niche communities really easy and your content will get seen and shared within those. But if you're just posting without engaging with them, then you may as well be pissing into the wind. Like it's just, it's a useless tactic. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're using Twitter, deploy Twitter correctly. Anyway, so Facebook um, with, I forget where I was going with this. Oh no, following, oh, no. following, following. gets harder, yeah. Yeah, so the following, it's when we originally launched, uh, when we crossed 2,000 followers was right around the time of the Facebook apocalypse. So that was January 11th, I think, uh, was about the time we crossed 2,000 followers. We might've been, it might've been a little after that. Uh, but that's when groups start becoming relevant. And so I want to talk a little bit about groups and how we've tried and how a lot of people have tried to like get around the algorithm. You can't beat the algorithm because the algorithm is smarter than you. However, you can use it in your favor. And the first way that that happened was with groups. So mm -hmm. we we made what did we make that day? I think we made like friends 60. of local two and nine. It was the day my uh, I was in the hospital with with uh, Brooklyn. We made that in... I made about 40 different groups. 40 different groups. That's yeah. why I remember you calling me very exhausted and being like, dude, I just made all of these groups. Yep, it was, <laughs> uh, I think, but we only really went public with three. Yes. Right? It's two. Two. Friends of Local 219 and, and craft the beer. craft beer one. Right. So it was, that was the way to get around the algorithm originally uh, after the Facebook apocalypse was we made that. It was exciting. Sure. You make these groups, you jump in, now you're getting notifications and Facebook realized that. And have since changed that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's almost like you have to make a video that's just telling people how to see your shit. Right. And like, if you really do care about our content and you want to see it, then you're going to have to do X, Y, Z. And that's not going to be easy. And you're probably going to get a 10% retention. Right. But there's really no other way of doing it. Because if you, if you rely on the groups, there's no more notifications at this point. Correct. I think the craft beer group seems to be the most engaged still. I still see posts going up in that constantly but the friends of local 219 That's is because we're alcoholics yeah well <laughs> yeah and uh the the other three days of like uh the um friends of local 219 it just feels like there's just not as much engaging it's not niche enough so i did know? i did find something out uh that i didn't i didn't tell you because i just found this out about 10 minutes before we came on the podcast mm. um something that's fun is the way to get notifications back in the groups okay so this is exciting the way to get notifications for those groups is to actually go in those groups. Because what happened is I joined one, I'm very into uh, into bodybuilding, I love lifting, right? And so I realized I was no longer getting notifications from a group I am in that's about extracurricular supplements. And I'm gonna call them that. So uh, this, this group all about PEDs was not appearing on my radar anymore and not appearing on my notifications. And I like reading the stuff in there. And so I went into that group and I started interacting in that group just a little bit, just okay. liking the occasional post, stuff like that. Now my phone is getting blown up with notifications. 
And so I'm thinking the newest change is that if you want to see our content, if you want to see Friends Local 209 content, if you want to see Local 209 craft beer content, is to go interact with that group. And so once you start interacting with that group again, you'll start seeing those notifications again. But I think after the apocalypse, everyone joined so many groups because all of these brands realized this is how our content gets seen. They all made groups and you joined all those groups that Facebook has said, we will no longer destroy your notifications every time someone posts in one of those groups, especially if you're in a bigger one from like the Chive or E-Bombs World or any of those like people that push out 17 pieces of content a day. Um, now, if you want those notifications, you actually have to go and prove that you want to be a part of that group. Hmm. That sounds like more time-consuming stuff that you it have is to do. A that's more on the time-consuming stuff. Yep. It <laughs> turned like we were almost at the end of the Oregon Trail, and now it just we just found out that we've got we're only halfway there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dysentery. We, we got dysentery, and our ox are stuck in a river. <laughs> and then Instagram is different too. I don't know if you noticed the change that happened. I think it was Friday or Saturday. Mm -hmm. It's all feeds. There was a small algorithm change. Nothing, nothing really that affects posts going out. But fees are all now chronological. And so you see stuff that was posted 30 seconds, then 42 seconds, and 60 seconds. And it goes in that order. As opposed to, this is the most relevant content for you. I like that better. I like that better, too. But then how does, how does a, 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 like a post who has, let's say, 300 likes in comparison to 50 likes, how does that, that doesn't matter at all anymore? Uh, it does because those posts are more likely now to appear in the Explore feed. So now they're making you go into a different format. Well, they've always made you go into that different format. They've if you're if your posts are blowing up and you have geotagged, which all of you should be doing, then if you go to those geotags, your post will still appear as the top post in that area. Which makes sense because there's no way of really kind of growing an Instagram base naturally. So that right. makes sense. However, I feel like that's really sounding like the last change to Snapchat that's almost ruined it is that you're asking people to digest the information differently and there's gonna be a lot of frustration with that. I think the difference is Snapchat's last change did ruin it. And it's been, I've been the very first and foremost with the sandwich board sign on the corner screaming Snapchat is dead, Snapchat is dead. And for some reason, there are still like 20 people out there still use Snapchat every day. Uh, I know some of them personally because they still Snapchat me every day. I'm still on there. Yeah, the, the people who Snapchat, Snapchat. The people, they they are brutally brand loyal. And even though Snapchat now has something like 100 employees or something left, that's it. Like they are on, they are selling off everything and getting out. Um, Instagram doesn't know what to copy anymore. And so it's just doing stuff that kind of we've wanted since the beginning, like uh, chronological feeds and stuff like I'm that. Into that. So let's talk about something you just said, and that is growing uh, fan bases naturally. Something interesting I found bringing on all of these awesome influencers is a lot of them just have a cool story and post a lot, and that's just blown their influence up i had, did have one person admitted to using an outside source to help grow it um but that was it and that was only for a short time everyone else just says they have a cool story and to it's me a it's, very and it's a very niche story to me it's very clear when someone's buying followers it is and if you're not a niche like if you're not a dogstagram or you're not a really attractive woman or you're not one of those two things and, and like a, a major food blogger yeah you 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 can't. It's almost impossible to or to grow it organically. It is really really hard. So that is to the the credit of the. I've had a lot of influencers on recently, and they are all phenomenal. They're all very niche. 
They're all very, very niche influencers. Yeah, you have to be. Um, so someone like Hannah Ranfranz has an incredible fan base, but they're all a lot more bikini models like her, fitness people like me. Um, you're not seeing like the crossover between her and Johnny Rocker, like the Carpenter, even mm-hmm. though the only crossover is going to be like local people, like a few local people, you're looking at a few hundred, but Johnny has 15,000 followers and Hannah has 10. You know, So unless you are in a niche, and do very well in that niche. I mean, everyone that we've had on that does like very well in their niche is like top of their game. Like Hannah Ranfrance, top level pro. Um, Johnny Rocker, top level pro. Sure. Jay from McFly's award-winning barber, world-renowned kind of thing. So outside of that, it is possible to grow your following, but just realize that it is going to be slow unless you use certain tactics. Yes. We know some of those tactics. Are you trying to go there? We're, I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to go there. Why? I think I. Do you want to? Do you want to keep the secret sauce, or do you want to drop the? Secret I don't mind sauce? telling. All right. People. So we. What we do to it's a grow, grind, dude. It's a grind. It is it's a grind. Not, so I think easy. people do need to realize that is when we get into this. There's an expectation of results, um, and people want them fast. It's kind of like the entrepreneurship game in general. Mm-hmm. Like when you quit your job and you get your uh, work-life balance card, you walk out of the recorder's office. And get told you can now wake up whenever you want and work as late as you want. You yep. can work as many days as you week or no days a week. Yep. And no matter what, you're going to be a billionaire. Um, much like that harsh realization, social media has that same realization that uh, this shit is a grind. And it sucks sometimes. Like there's no if, there's no way to make it fun. Impulse is the quickest way to get in and out of things. Yes. This takes impulse completely out of it. Correct. And so people either sink or swim. Correct. Essentially. Yeah. So the biggest thing that we found to to grow our followers, get out your notebooks, get your pens. This is our secret sauce coming to you live from Local 219's offices in Crown Point, Indiana, is the follow and follow game. And I know as soon as I say that, I can hear a lot of other social media managers like throwing their stuff, like crashing their cars and stuff like that. But the follow and follow game is really the yeah. best, easiest, fastest way to grow a community. I'll be honest and I'll tell them good luck. Crash their cars, like honestly, because <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and at the end of the day, follow and follow. If you are doing it correctly, will build you a relevant community. This is specifically for Instagram and a little bit on Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook. You can't really do this. Is uh, this what does require an outside app? Is find someone that you like, like local two one nine, or any of our awesome clients that we're not going to name, and start following all the people to follow them. And fill your follower base up. Follow a bunch of people. And they're mm-hmm. probably going to follow you back because the world's full of good people. And if you have good content, people are going to want to see you. And then if they don't follow you back, unfollow them. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's about <laughs> – I mean, I think we made that decision in the very beginning. Yeah, that because was like day one. it was all about getting as many eyes on what we're doing as possible. Sure. And I think at the end of the day, that's what anybody wants. Right. Um, and so with that being said, like – we do have an organic, like in, like a, a true organic following of people come across our stuff and like us. Um, but essentially, we're not waiting around for that. Right. Right. We're being very aggressive and offensive. And so uh, when it comes to that stuff, it's really just about getting in there. And like you said, getting like-minded accounts that we might be able to share the same uh, philosophical beliefs in. Yep. Whether that's craft beer, whether that's coffee houses, whether that's uh, across the board um, and different influencers that have been on different businesses that have been on um, and then just going through and purging their followers um, and doing, and I hope they're doing the same thing to us. I mean, cause that's essentially taking advantage of the influence circles. Correct. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that there's, for some reason, people have this certain amount of pride that 
I my content is so freaking badass that I don't need to go out and follow people. I don't need to because they will follow me. If you build it, they will come. And the current age of social media has taught us one thing, and that is that is horseshit. And yeah. that when it does happen, you, it just to it, me it has it to does. be compl- and I crazy think, niche. I think our influencers, like I said, if they're niche, like our influencers yeah. that come in, you can post something and you're going to get a lot of likes because you're speaking to a very specific community. If you are a more broad business like ours, where mm-hmm. we service every industry on the planet, we've got churches, bong shops, car dealerships, all of that, is that. Within those communities, you can exist and do great and build your followers, but you still have to go out and find people. I think if you go out, you you still need to go out and tell your story. And so that's one of the biggest things we do is you're right. If we are in, we'll shout out Float 60. Like we went to Float 60 Mm -hmm. and we made that video. And then as uh, right, as soon as we're getting ready to release it, we're in there following all of their followers and they're following us back. So when we release this video, we're like, hey, we're just at Float 60 and here's the video of it. And all of those people are now interacting with it because we're, this was before Facebook or IG switched to chronological. Um, We now showed up as the most possible relevant content. And that was badass. And so those people are liking our stuff. They're sharing it with their friends. They're telling their friends. They're sharing it on Facebook. Um, and we are growing because of it. And we've now got a whole new base of people that are interested in our content. And it's because we weren't too proud to sit there and be like, oh, they're going to find us anyway. Mm-hmm. We went out and told them, like, hey, we got a cool story. And we think you're going to be interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one, uh, one of the IGs I was, like, thinking of when you were talking about that, that's super niche, is a good friend of mine from grade school, actually. Uh, Larissa Malici, she lives in New York, and she has a uh, dog, Ralphie, who's a Brussels griffin. And she's got 17.2 thousand followers and f- only following 438. And she just really sets that niche to, like, the fullest extent. Correct. I mean, and you don't – to me, it's like if you – that's where the hashtag game matters. If yes. you're outside of the hashtag game with IG, you're talking to nobody. Right. You know, so you can type in dogs of Instagram. You could hashtag dogs of Instagram. You could hashtag Gruffles, uh, or Brussels griffin. Um, same thing I would be able to do with my dog. The problem is, is like when you're doing something for Crown Point, you can't, there's not a lot of national hashtags to throw in there. And we're not even, and that's the other issue is like, we don't care about national. Right. We care about local and there's not enough following in a lot of the local hashtags to make any kind of a dent. Right. And the second that, and that we've seen it, the second someone does make a relevant hashtag for local, someone's going to ruin it and then people are going to stop using it. Correct. So it's, it's, there's really no way of like actually establishing it and being able to filter whether or not it's quality or not to make that even last long term. Right. So hashtags are another game where like you need them and you should use them, uh, yeah. but be prepared that right now they're slightly less relevant, but it doesn't mean you should stop using them. Uh, because eventually, if they do decide to make them more relevant, you should have be prepared for that. And there's a way you can succeed easily. Yep. And um, just so the listeners know, I, I mean, from a from like what I'd hope to get out of this for anybody if they're yes. listening, is that um, we we're very much living in the gray area with yes. everything we do. We we have to. We have to. Like we are like when we when we're talking about being offensive and aggressive, we're pushing the boundaries on every component, right? Right. So like we're 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 almost like tempting people to ban us and we you know in saying? the early days we did tempt a little too far just because we were so aggressive like our goal with any of our clients is obviously do the absolute best and get yeah. them get them to the point where they are so self-sufficient they never have to find another full-time job ever again yeah. um to be their their marketing team now and forever 
And so before we got to that point, uh, we realized that we want to do more than any other marketing company or any other media company on the planet. So let's really push those limits. Let's download certain apps and let's let's really let's try and break the algorithm. Let's try and break things. And I got myself banned a few times. I know you got yourself banned a couple times. Oh Mobile yeah. Two One Nine account got banned a couple times. Oh yeah. Um, but we found what worked in the moment. Took Soft that, bans. Soft bans. We were back within 24 hours. There was never we a hard ne- ban. We were never taken down. We were just not allowed to post. <laughs> not allowed to post or like or follow or people. Follow we, we were basically allowed to open up the app and look at uh, our, our circle in the top left corner. You couldn't upload a story with it, but you could look at that yeah. circle. And then 24 hours later, you can actually uh, actually do things. So, um, But all of that was for a purpose. Like We could now deploy everything that worked against our clients mm-hmm. and make them outrageously successful, even if it was at the cost of us getting banned and having to start all over again. Um, so I think that... Uh, living in the gray area is something we have to do professionally. If you have a niche, if you're a niche, like a lot of the influencers we bring on, um, own that niche. And I think that's why like, it's so impressive to see people like Johnny Rocker, Hannah Ranfranz, or, or Jay from McFly's and Marisa Moon, is that they got into their niche and they owned it. And they might not have been the most popular influencer when they started, but they got in there. They had a really cool story. They posted consistently. They posted cool content consistently. They were human. And they didn't necessarily need to follow and follow. And that's what's awesome about all of them is none of them are super tech savvy. None of them are using Social Blade, really. Uh, Johnny Rocker was the only one that used that or Icona Square or any like data tracking apps or anything like that. They're not doing follow and follow or anything. They just have a really cool story and learn how to own their niche. Sure. And so I think that's my goal with uh, all of the, the awesome people that we bring on this podcast is to figure out how to own their niche. And this podcast, today's episode was to highlight how do we own the gray area because we can't have a niche besides no. crown point or, or besides the region the region, the region. Yeah, not yeah. even crown point it has to be the region is our niche and when local 773 opens up then that will have a different niche or local 312 or 708 or anyone that we open not that we're opening any others right now we're gonna have to take that off the podcast <laughs> <laughs> for sure so i think the do you have anything else you want to bring up? Otherwise, we're going to get into You're going to get the same rapid-fire question treatment oh as everyone else. Is there any questions you want to ask? I mean, is there anything that I feel like I'm pretty open book on this stuff? You I think, think it- what's what's your biggest we've, – we've talked a lot of, of grievance right now, but what's something that really excites you right now about social media? Excites me about social media. I like the idea that you can have um, – influence circles and that's creating its own groups. I think that's what it's all for. I think that's when community comes really gets stronger. Um, for instance, I went to this coffee house, grindhouse uh, a couple weekends ago, um, and it was awesome to see like a group of people, all Twitter uh, people in particular, um, who was like 12 people that we were all there just kind of shooting the shit, talking social media. And to me, that's what it's the power of it is. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And I think that I, I, I'm seeing more content about local more than I ever have. And I hope that we had some hand in influencing that and making it cool. Right. Um, so those are the things that I like to see. Um, I think the only sometimes the hardest part with this is that when you're trying to do it um, at the level that we're trying to do it at and, and maintaining a level of quality, it can get a little bit alarming and, and um, disheartening when it feels like people are taking like a tenth of what you're doing, doing it for themselves and 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 seeing somewhat results, if that right. makes any sense. And, right. and then, so that's, it's all good though. Like there's never a bad thing. They say like mimicry is like a compliment. I don't see it that way. To me, it more is like, you're just stealing my ideas, but 
without behind the point though of that is that that's what makes me excited is the community the fact that every single person no matter what they're not they don't have to be a part of an organization they don't have to be a part of 200 people they can be one person and they can make an impact that's really cool now focusing that down the rabbit hole of like what impact you want to make and what's your thesis that's that's an important question i think everyone should ask themselves right i think one of the uh the <laughs> we saw a video come out for a business that we support that we enjoyed there was almost a shot for shot remake of another video that we did yeah and we saw it and we're like man like that is it's kind of frustrating but at the same time like we are so excited that that business that they did that for got a lot of attention for yep. it and got a lot of hype surrounding it, a lot of excitement. People were really pumped up about it. And we're like, hell yeah, like that's really what we're all about at the end of yeah. this. And is really trying to help as many people as we can and build as many communities as we can and have as much fun as we can. Yep. Um, I mean, we need to sit down and talk with the person that copied our video shot for shot. But the fact that it was used to help a business that we love grow um, is something we can't really be mad about, mm -hmm. and nor nor would we ever. Um, but I think it's <laughs> you're right. I think the region is uh, experiencing some growth right now and going through some changes. And I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun to see those changes take place on the so social side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, every day I'm seeing more pictures of food in, from the area or highlighting restaurants or right. um, people just naturally walking around and exploring in ways that I've never seen before. Um, and so that's really cool. And I think opening up their horizons is For fantastic. Sure. So any last lingering thoughts before we get into these questions? No. no, I would say if I have any, if I had any kind of like advice to give anybody is just, uh, get ahead of the content as much as you possibly can. Um, make your, give, make it a little easier on yourself. So you're not running around trying to figure out what to post every day. Um, and then just, just schedule it out. We do that. I mean, for, for all of yeah. our clients, I'm always, it's my Sundays, like mm -hmm. Sundays, I schedule everything out. Like it's like yep. get up, work out, go to church and then sit down and schedule stuff while laundry's going yep. on. And you don't need to post seven days a week. Just post, just post what you're capable of and what you know you have content for. And be human and be real about it. If you come Stay across, yeah. yeah, if you come across as fake, the world's going to, to notice it real quick. Yep. So just, just be real and be, and, and have a lot of fun. I think that's really every secret that we've ever had. This is like the second rendition of when you uh, when you interviewed me. I think I was talk local guest number four mm -hmm. or something like that. This is like the second rendition of that. Yeah, this, it's this kind of fun. The, this is the grown-up version of that. And the tables have turned. The tables have turned. I'm interviewing you. Yeah. Ish. All right, Alan, uh, we're going to roll into these 10-ish questions. Uh, if you were arrested, what would your friends and family assume? A DUI. <laughs> that came way too quick. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> Uh, what sport would be better with a mandatory alcohol limit? Uh, well, none. Can none? I say that? Because I think the beauty of sports is uh, hand-eye hand coordination. And so you're taking that away by being drunker. Fair. So I'm going to say disc golf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, what movie should be made into a musical? Hmm. Uh, that's given the thought that I'd actually watch the musical, but, um, You're not in the musicals. No, I'd probably say teen wolf, teen wolf, the musical. I was thinking Inglorious bastards. <laughs> you hate that movie. I do hate that movie with Which every crazy. fiber of that's my soul. Crazy. It's just such a crappy movie. Yeah. Um, I know I, that uh, I just lost everyone right now. Anyone that was still <laughs> listening, they're gone. I think of that when it comes to the musical and I didn't get asked this before, but I think there's that moment to where Michael J. Fox or, uh, Jason Bateman becomes the wolf. Yeah, I think that'd be a great like part to where what is it? Um, the movie with uh, 
Oh my God! Which one is it? Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where she's yeah. where he's got like the the vampires and all the Muppets yep. that are actually doing it. That'd be a great one for that. <laughs> all you're thinking for some reason this entire every time I've asked this question to someone, all I can think of is Spider-Man Three with Tobey Maguire, where he actually turns it into a musical <laughs> halfway through the end. He's like Venom, and he's trying to turn the musical. God, that movie sucked. Never saw it. Never saw it. You don't 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 ever. What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever worn? I've ever worn worn. Oh my god! I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Can I get you wear Cubs gear? It'll never happen. As as long as there's cameras around, it'll never it'll never. So happen. I can't say the most embarrassing thing you've ever worn is when you wear all your socks gear to work. <laughs> how's that? Uh, how's that golf course feel, buddy? Um, I wore so I was in a talent show in high school, and I wore definitely. I think we did like a Christina Aguilera kind of mock up thing with me and two other guys, and uh, I, I was wearing like a like short shorts in like some form of like negligee is there a video of this i hope not good yeah uh <laughs> what uh what part of a kid's movie scarred you for life oh man you're asking a lot of crazy questions i don't i don't really watch a lot of kid movies um i mean that's gonna start changing right i would say uh so um definitely lion king's dad dying that's a rough one. I mean, there's probably top two. I watched that last night. That or Bambi that? when she died when, when like her mom dies. Yeah, that's rough. All I can think of is uh, Homeward Bound. I feel like the movie Homeward Bound. Oh, it's been a minute since I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a scene in there. I remember. No, it's still. I'm still gonna say we haven't released the video of this, but I think the mo- part that like scarred me for life is in the movie Inside Out. Joy. It's Joy and this fake animal, Bing Bong. And Bing Bong uses the last of his like life to make sure that Joy survives something. And Bing Bong is a character you've been following that's just super happy. And so you're like, I love this character. Then he dies. Like right uh, in front of your eyes, he brutal. just fades away. And uh, me as a 30-year-old man... Uh, yeah, I was. Oh God, that choked me up. All right, we're gonna we're gonna roll out of here with a uh, one last question: most overrated musical artist? Because you are hardcore into music. I know you're hardcore into music because you change my playlist every day. Uh, <laughs> or it's just that you're that bad at picking songs. I every dude the it's world one should, of the, two. <laughs> the world should love Kenny Chesney more. And that I'm is here, not true. I am here to make sure that they do. Okay. Uh, by blasting Kenny Chesney and the Zach Brown band every morning. I throw Bob Marley in every once in a while. Yeah, that's probably your best bet. The Marley. So who's the most overrated artist? Overrated, and you can't say Nickelback. If I hear Nickelback one more time when I ask this question, I should stop asking Well, this I think question. they're properly rated. I think it's pretty equally, uh, they, uh, most people know that they suck. Yeah. I don't think, any, I mean, but then again, they're selling out Madison Square Garden and shit, so I guess I there's still, a I still kind of every once in a while will turn them on. But I'm talking old Nickelback, like Photograph or uh, their first album. The first album was actually pretty good when you didn't know that was what you were going to hear yeah. for every album. I'm going to take a lot of shit on this one, but I think the most overrated band we're talking ever. Ever. I, it's, uh, publicly, I'm going to say Foo Fighters. Yeah? yeah. Not a Dave Grohl fan? I love Dave Grohl. I can hear. I think art. he's super respectable, and I love his stuff. But it's like the modern ACDC. Every song sounds exactly the same, and they've stopped really kind of making any artistry out of it since. I'd probably say, one by one, or nothing left to lose, which is about twenty years ago. So I, uh, I feel like former intern, rest in peace, big guy, AC Slater, <laughs> has officially put a hit out on you for that yeah. answer. Well, he we've had this conversation. Uh, so many times. I respect Dave Grohl. I love what he does. I saw. I've seen him like five times, and every time I leave that concert, just not impressed. No, no. I'm gonna leave it at that. Cause I don't. I don't. 
I kind of, I don't know if I'm, I'm big on the Foo Fighters or not, but I think that is an excellent time to roll out now that Slater <laughs> is looking for as you. As soon as I made it, every one of our listeners hate me. I know. Yeah, I think, I know. Really I think good. everyone stopped listening when I said Glorious Bastards sucked. <laughs> this movie does blow. <laughs> anyway, we're going to roll out of here. Uh, I would normally at this point ask people where they can find you, but however, since they can find you at the same place as us, I'm just going to say you can find us all across the board at local 219 L-O-C-A-L 219, except for my beloved Twitter, that is L-O-C-A-L underscore 219. Uh, and then they can find you directly. Do you do you use your personal Instagram anymore? No, I posted a picture from the Bears game yesterday, but uh, that was just the tailgate. When I'm, when I'm doing, I, you know what, I put so much focus into local 219 stuff that I don't even think about my own. Amen to that. I think that if uh, Jay from McFly's does decide to do a bodybuilding show next year, and I've called him out publicly saying I will jump in with him, I will use my Instagram stories to track that, but I think my life is wrapped up in local 219 IG. I don't think I've posted for like three months or something like that it's weird man i still use it to reach out to people for this program but i don't that's about it yeah and i'll say publicly too i'm really happy with like what you've been able to take on from like the social media side and like i think it's a this is a really cool platform so um yeah this is fun love my job kids all right we are gonna roll out from here next week uh we have an interesting guest for you guys I still need to confirm him, so I'm not going to totally announce him just yet, but keep an eye out for next week's. Uh, He has a massive following and likes to beat up people. So we are going to take it from there. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.